Now, I want to go back to a Sunday school lesson that's from our curriculum that we use uh, many, many weeks ago. I just think it's so important uh, what was discussed in this lesson as we're facing a time where really uh, truth is, doesn't matter anymore. And truth, whatever you say truth is, you know, and uh, truth is, you know, we've got this little culture defined of, you know, what's your truth? And the reality is that's not biblical and it's not, uh, no pun intended, it's not truth. There's no truth in that statement. And in fact, you know, we live in a world of, you know, absolute truth and then also relative truth. You know, then, so let me give you some examples here. and Let me just see if you can pick them out between absolute and relative. Uh, so if I said pizza is the greatest food in existence, well, that's an example of relative truth. Now, you might believe that's absolute, but it's actually relative because I may not like pizza. You know, you may love pizza. The next person may not like it. The next person may be, well, it's okay. You know, so that's a relative thing. If I said water is essential for survival, well, that's different. That's an absolute statement. At some point, if you don't get water, you are going to die. You know, you don't have to, you know, pizza may not be the best food ever, but you have got to have water to live. Uh, here's another one. Let me throw this out to you. Now, I'm not trying to get anybody upset tonight. Ford makes the best pickup trucks. That's a relative statement. Again, you may believe, no, Chris, that's an absolute one. You know, I know Ford has the best. Okay. Uh, it, another one here. It's wrong to rape or murder. Well, that's an absolute statement. We, we find that absolutely God declares that to be wrong. Thou shalt not kill. Right? And so we see in the scriptures that that truth is absolute. And then there's this, this, this is to me is, a, is kind of a funny one. You know, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, again, that's a relative statement. It's relative to your opinion. There are, in fact, a great deal of absolute truths in our world, right, in creation, then also as God looks at us, as he brings those, uh, brings truths into our lives that are absolute, we have to live by them. Or otherwise, there's going to be consequences. You know, reality is, church, I don't think this is any surprise to anybody listening to me tonight, uh, you know, online, more and more people in our culture are abandoning, are abandoning belief in objective truth. That there are things that are absolute and that God, certainly, God has the right to speak that truth into my life. Now, I would hope as Christians that we would certainly open our hearts and say, yes, whatever God's word says is true, and because it's true, I'm going to believe it, I'm going to live by it. I mean, I hope and pray that's our heart, but let's be honest, we know for a fact, if we'd all just be truthful, that is not the case anymore in America. That is not the case. There may be pockets of little areas and towns and communities where that may be somewhat the case, but as by and large, the 350 million plus of us who make up America and the 50 United States, what I'm saying to you that God is the arbiter of all truth. He is the one who establishes all truth. All truth comes from him, and therefore we have an obligation to believe and follow his truth. Man, that's not reality anymore. May have been. May have been. Some years gone by, but 2021, that's not the case. And more and more people are adopting the idea, and I'm, I'm afraid it's coming into the church. We're adopting the idea that 
truth is relative to me. Whatever I say is true is what's true. You know, I'm, 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 I'm the one who decides what is true for me. Now, you know, and, and unfortunately, or, you know, then, then it tells it, well, this person can decide what's true as long as what he says is what's true doesn't infringe upon the way I want to live, right? I'm okay with truth being relative to that person as long as that person doesn't say that truth is absolute on me. Right? See how this is kind of a, you know, a, a very uh, a weird situation because we want to be tolerant, but we're tolerant to the point as long as somebody doesn't tell me I, I have to do something. And then I become intolerant because they're not tolerant enough. Do you see how culture is really standing on its head when it comes to this thing of truth, and tolerance, and relativism, and absolute truths. I mean, we are really kind of messed up. And the reality is, is today that, man, the physical world exists. Trees are outside, bushes are outside, grass is outside, birds are outside. I mean, these things exist. Families exist. Time exists. When we get 24 hours in a day. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. There's no changing that. You can get mad about it. You say, well, I don't like it, but it's still going to be there. Pain exists. You know, you pinch me, it's going to hurt. I mean, that's, that's just going to happen. All of these things exist, and they are existing in reality. We can't change that. There are, there are just, and I'm just throwing out a handful here. We could just keep going. I mean, absolute truth exists in our world. If things and people can absolutely exist, why is it that other matters... Right, such as morality, such as life after death, right? How come we 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 believe as a culture? And I'm not talking about maybe you personally, but as a culture, how come we we believe we can strip those things away? And I'm telling you, we're living in dangerous times, times where we think we know better than God, and we think we know better than the God's Word, and we think honestly we know better than the generations gone before us who have believed God's word to be true and that have founded our nation upon these principles and that we have seen throughout history that when cultures and societies uphold God's truth, they're blessed. But when they, re when they reject it, they decay and fall apart. And so we want to come tonight and just give two things to you really quickly about consider the source. Well, number one, I want you to see that and I want you to get this into your heart. God's Word is always true. Always true. Now, you'll hear this statement. There's no such thing as an absolute truth. That's a lot of irony, isn't it? Ironically, that's an absolute statement. There's no such thing as absolute truth. They just made an absolute statement when they say something like that. That cannot be because you just contradicted yourself by making such a statement. And in reality, the entire universe actually tells us otherwise. I mean, in fact, if the universe did not operate under absolute truth, such as, let me just give you a few quick laws, and I'm not a scientist, okay, just, but just stay with me, the laws of gravity, the laws that we see in physics, the laws of mathematics, the absolute truth and laws of thermodynamics, then what would happen to our universe? Chaos. I mean, just think, let's just talk about gravity. Let's just say gravity was relative from person to person. You're, 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 you're walking down the street and the guy across the street's floating and you're not. I mean, you know, 
This, this would just be insane. We would say, man, what's going on? What's happening? This is chaos. That's not the world God made. God did not make a chaotic world. God designed this world with absolutes because they point to Him. These laws that govern our universe, they point to Him. They point to order. They point to an intelligent design. They point to one who is absolute. And therefore, when He makes and when He creates and when He speaks into existence, that's what we find. We find absolute truths governing our very universe. So the question is, which is easier to believe? That uh, a... A holy God who is absolute, made absolute laws that absolutely govern our universe and that, and that keep it in order and keep chaos from going out or that there was some type of chaotic, uh, you know, cataclysmic explosion that created everything that we see and now somehow inside of that explosion we have order. I mean, you know, if a Rolex factory blew up right now, we're not going to get 10,000 Rolex watches that pop out. We're going to get an absolute mess. We're going to have, we're going to have watch parts all over the place and we're not going to have any Rolexes. See, you, you know, explosions don't create order, right? Chaos does not bring order. And so we have to look at it as Christians that number one, God's word is always true. So what does God say about our world? Well, biblical creationism asserts there's a better evidence that the creator exists and he placed these laws in motion, going back to gravity and physics and mathematics and thermodynamics, to name a few. He placed these laws in motion so his creation could be orderly and sustain itself. That now, for give or take a little bit, some 6,000 years, we've seen the world basically stay in motion. Now, has certainly, has sin affected the world? Of course. Has human involvement affected the world? Of course. I mean, obviously. But has a global flood totally transformed and altered the wonderful, beautiful world that God made? Absolutely. But yet, in the midst of all of that, we still see, we can still look around and recognize, wow, we have a lot of order in our world. We don't have utter chaos. And in fact, remember what we are talking about, God's Word is always true. Scripture provides authoritative testimony. And God, this is where it's important, Mom and Dad, Grandma and Grandpa. This is important that we understand this ourselves and that we pass this along to our kids. That Scripture provides an authoritative testimony of the creative work of God. Genesis chapter 1, read it. And God said, and God said, and God said. He spoke, an absolute God spoke absolute order into existence. Right, And then we want to couple that up with Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, and that's to name a few. Where throughout the Bible it reaffirms what we read in Genesis chapter 1. That God made everything. And what did he say? It was very good. It was very good. It reflected him. I mean, we, we sing songs. We talk about the goodness of God. His goodness is upon the creative work. Now, unfortunately, sin and the fall of man and the cataclysmic global flood has certainly marred that very goodness. But it's still there. 
I mean, the absolute truths are governing our world. And the psalmist, if you want to go to Psalm 119 in your Bible really quickly, the psalmist, uh, Psalm 119, let's go to verse number 89. You got your Bible open there right in the middle of the Bible, uh, the longest chapter in the entire Scriptures. He proclaims that God's laws are eternal. So what God established some 6,000 years ago, what He said some 2,000, and there's this little, there's this little movement inside of some little parts of Christianity that we have to make sure we stamp out quickly that says, well, what God said, you know, that, that, was, two, that was for their time 2,000 years ago, or that was for Moses 4,000 years ago, or that was for King David. That's not for now. Let me just tell you something. God's law doesn't change. It does not change. In fact, verse 89 says exactly the opposite. So anybody who says to you that, well, you know, times are changing, so yes, I mean, yes, that was true for Jesus, but, you know, he lived in the first century. If he lived in the 21st century, he probably wouldn't say that. No, 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 no. We cannot take that approach to the Scriptures. That's me coming with my presuppositions and my eisegesis and forcing it into the Bible, not letting the Bible speak into my life. Not letting the Bible come into my life. I'm trying to force the Bible to say something I want it to say to approve of something I'm doing. Man, that's, that's a dangerous place to be in. But listen to what verse 89 says. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Go, go down some to verse uh, 142. I mean, we could read, I mean, Psalm 119 is just chock full of great verses about the Word of God. But look at verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law, what we said, is truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, and because God's law is true, and because this book is true, it has the authority to speak into my life. And when I'm wrong, I, have to, I, I don't change it, it changes me. Because the truth comes from the word of the living God. I mean, it's a logical conclusion that an all-powerful, intelligent God has established absolute truth, which is where we get our general standard for morality. Right? It's where we kind of, we, we, we don't have to be told certain things are right and wrong. We just have that general, even those who are not believers, there's certain things they're not going to do. Why? Because God's stamp has been placed upon our souls. And this is important that we realize this and that, you know, we have to make sure that we don't just let our truth in our homes and our church become a popular opinion thing. Well, everybody says this. Well, you know what? To be honest with you, it doesn't really matter what everybody says because if God has said something, that settles it. doesn't matter what Chris thinks about it. Man, Chris has to change the way he thinks. I have to, I have, to have my mind transformed. I have to have my, my mind renewed by the Scriptures. That's why we come to church. That's why, we, that's why you're listening right now on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're listening at, because... You want your life changed by the Scriptures. That's why we have Awana. That's why we have Kid Church. That's why we have Sunday School. That's why FCA exists. Yes, we want to teach all parts in FCA and we, you know, reading and writing and mathematics and all of that and history. But man, we want to teach that from a, from a perspective that God's Word is true and that He is the truth. 
And when he speaks, I have an obligation to listen. You know, uh, so we're looking here that God's law is, that God's word is always true. I want you to go to John chapter 8 right quick with me, really quickly. John chapter 8, and I want to just touch here briefly in John chapter 8, uh, going over there, verse number 32. You know, it's interesting that what Jesus, he reaffirms. You know, he doesn't back away from the position that God is true and his word is true. In fact, I mean, he actually said in John 17, 17, since we're there, let's look at that, let's look at that verse first. John 17, 17, sanctify. This is his prayer. He's praying this to God. God, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus, he reaffirms that, man, it's the words of God. Uh, some weeks ago now, a little over a month ago, I preached in our, in our uh, Sunday morning service, and, and I talked about you know Luke chapter 6, where Jesus asked the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Man, if his word is truth, why are we not obeying it? Why are we not changing our life to line up with it? God's word is always true. Therefore, I should have the confidence and the reliability that, man, God, what he says is actual fact. And therefore, man, I've got to change my ways. I've got to change my ways. Number two, really quickly, keep your, keep your, book, keep your uh, Bible open to John chapter 8. But I want to give you number two. So first of all, God's word is always true. Number two, uh, n- number two is life and freedom are found in God's Word. So this is why this is important. Because if we, don't, if we don't believe that God's Word is true, and we don't follow what He says, and we don't adhere our lives to what He says, we miss out on the blessings of that. And in fact, we get the cursings. Uh, I said go to John 8, but hold your place there. I'm coming back to it. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy just means repetition. So here Moses is repeating the, all the commands of God and all the things that God expects out of His people. And, and he gets down towards the end there in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and he says something really interesting. Right? He, he, he's building this idea that, you know, living your life according to what God says is a, is a life of blessing. Do you believe that? That the best life for Chris Edmonds is the one that God lays out in His Word for me. Man, I believe that. I don't just, that's, this is not just something because I get paid by the church. I'm telling you, I believe that the Word of God is so important that I should let it govern every part of my life. And when I am reproved and rebuked by it, I am to change. I am to repent. I am to turn. I am to, to make a correction in my life to line myself up with the Word of God. Isn't that a continual journey tonight, church? Man, I'm talking about something that should consume us, that we want to continue. Every time the doors are open at church, I want to be there because I want to hear from God. On Monday morning, I want to open the Scripture because I want to hear from the Lord. On Tuesday, I want to get in my Bible because I want to hear from the Lord. I want my life to change. I want His truth, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? And I want the life and freedom that are found in God's truth. Look at verse 19. So this is Moses now wrapping it up. He's closing up the repetition. And he tells the children of Israel, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you 
that I have set before you life and death. Truth and that which is not true, that which if you reject it and you live, a, you live your life away from God's truth. I've given you life, pleasing God, death, not pleasing God. Blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. You know what Moses is telling us? That if you want to enjoy God, you want to enjoy Him, you want to enjoy His closeness, you want to enjoy His presence, and all the blessings that come with that, tangible and intangible, right? The things you can touch and the things you can't touch. Because, man, what does he say? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, meekness. Against such there is no law. This is God's greatest work inside of me. And then all, yes, all of the blessings of his continual presence and his continual help. But I'm telling you, Moses is saying, you have got to make a choice. I have set before you life and death. Please choose life. And what's so sad to me, church, what breaks my heart is before us as Americans for generations, we have had the opportunity to hear truth, to let truth be a part of our culture. And now, instead of choosing truth in the last 20, 30 years, we've begun to make this 40 years, 50 years, really going back to knocking prayer and Bible out of public schools you can go back and begin to trace it. We've been on this journey of choosing death, not life, hadn't we? And, you know, I can't, I can't make, you know, the American government do certain things. I can vote. I can be involved. I, I, can, try to, I can try to be educated and be informed. But I can't make people do certain things. I can't make the public school do this, and I can't make this school do that, and I can't make this college do this, but what I can do is I can control my own approach to this truth. As a dad, I can, I can influence my kids. As a husband, I can influence my wife. Uh, you know, I, I can, uh, the world that God has given me as a Sunday school teacher, as a kid church leader, as an Awana leader, I can influence the next generation for Christ and for His truth. Because that's where life and freedom are. What, what, look, look at John 8 really quickly here. If we're going to wrap this up. Look at John 8. Go, to, go down to verse 31. Let's start at verse 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Man, this is good news, right? You know, so he's speaking. People believe on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you to my disciples indeed. So Jesus wanted them, he expected them, if you're going to be my disciples, we'll see if you're going to follow what I say. Does my truth matter to you? In verse, eight, verse 32 he says, and if you're continuing my word, you're my disciples indeed. Semicolon, right, not a period, semicolon, continuing the thought. He says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And this is why this is important. We, have, we cannot stick our heads in the sand when God's truth is being disregarded. We cannot afford, we cannot afford to continue to let God's truth be a secondary part of our lives. 
It's not something we just do on Sunday. It's not something that we just send our kids to Awana. Well, go, go learn something about the Bible. That's really kind of important. But, you know, then the rest of the week we don't even think about it. It's not something we can delegate to a certain little section of our lives. Man, His truth is what makes me free. It makes me free. It opens my eyes to a whole new world of who Jesus is and what He wants and what He blesses. He promised I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly, church. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with this truth? Do we believe in the absolute truths of Scripture? Truth changes people. Truth changes people. I've seen it change my life. I've seen it change the lives of teenagers and young adults and young parents and kids. I've seen it transform people's lives. It can still do that because it's the truth. God's Word is forever settled in heaven. Jesus said, you're going to know the truth. You're going to continue in my Word. You're going to be my disciples. And the truth is going to make you free. Am I reading it? Am I studying it? Am I trying to learn it? Am I coming to church paying attention? Man, listen, there's a lot of distractions in there. Our phones, we come in with all this baggage. We get, we get heavy laden. We come into church and we, and we just sit back in the pew or we don't pay attention. Man, I'm telling you tonight, we cannot let that continue to happen. We have got to have a revival of God's truth in our hearts because it's life. Moses said, listen, I've given you life and death. Please choose life. I've given you blessing and cursing. Choose the blessing. Jesus said, I've given you the truth, and the truth is going to make you free. Father, tonight, help us to love you. Help us to walk close to you. Help us, Lord, to live by your truth, to be people governed by your truth. Thank you for the life that I have found in it. Thank you for the freedom I've found in it. Thank you for the, the many, 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 many times you've brought great change in my life because of your truth. In Jesus' name, we pray it tonight. Amen.